You know, the New Testament is such an awesome book, and, and it addresses the key things in life. And one, certainly one of the, the key things in life is how we interact and how we relate to other people. I've seen uh, several pastors take uh, the Bible, and especially the New Testament, and show how many one another passages there is that what we should do to one another I saw this week something I'd never seen before, and it was a pastor who said uh, the the things the Bible tells us not to do to one another. I thought that was interesting. Listen to some of the things the Bible tells us. it, It never says to do this to one another. You don't humble one another. Scrutinize one another. Embarrass one another. Interrupt one another. Sacrifice one another. Shame one another. Text one another while someone else is talking to you. I'm just teasing he didn't say that. I threw that in. Judge one another. Run, run one another's lives. Confess one another's sins. That's so much more enjoyable, though, isn't it? Or point out one another's failings. What are the, some of the one another's that the Bible does tell us to do? Well, it certainly over and over tells us to love one another. It would tell us to serve one another. And going with our sermon this morning, directly and indirectly, it tells us often to appreciate or to be thankful for one another. If you have a Bible, we're going to be in Romans 16 this morning. If you don't, no problem. The scriptures will be on the screens. This is a peculiar text. In fact, I would not have told you yesterday what I was preaching from or you wouldn't have come because this is, a, this is one of those texts with just a bunch of names that are very difficult to read and that preachers are never paid enough because we have to read these names in public in front of people. But it's a, it really is a passage of tremendous, tremendous depth that we don't have much time to, to mine a lot of it today. But it, it's Paul, God, and again, this is the perfect word of God. It's, it's Paul expressing appreciation for many people who have blessed his life. So that's what I want to talk about this this morning. How... How do we express, how do we live with a a heart of gratitude towards other people? It begins with this, dwell, focus, think about how people have been a blessing to you and the cause. Think about how people have blessed your life. Think about how people have blessed your family. Think about how people have blessed your business or your team or the church or the community Focus on how people have blessed us. Folks, the Bible tells us this. Good psychology tells us this. What you dwell on shapes you. What you think on, what you focus on in your mind is going to determine uh, who you become. If you're a negative person, a positive person, a jerk, a good person, so much of it depends on what you're, you're focusing on. On the negative side, most of us understand this. and A lot of us do this. We focus on how people have hurt us. We focus on how they've let us down. We focus on and dwell on how they could have done more for us or how they hurt us or what they took from us. And so we focus on that and we know the fruit of that is bitterness, it's anger, it's jealousy, it's all those yucky things that it does inside of us. So we're wanting to reverse that and focus on the people who have blessed us and have made our lives better. Verses 1 through 3... It says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Sincrea. 
I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been a great help to many people, including me. And in verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. Now we're going to... We're going to go in the next few minutes and kind of look through these passages and, uh, and again, in, in a fairly quick way of, of, of who these people were. Phoebe was a wonderful woman. She's carrying this letter. This is for UPS, FedEx. Uh, she's carrying this letter for Paul to Rome. He's, he may be in Corinth or in Ephesus. And so he's, she's carrying it to him and he's commending her. And he says, man, this lady's great. She is a servant. She helps people. She assists people. She's a blessing to people. Priscilla and Aquila, these strange named people, they appear in the book of Acts. And, and they are partners with Paul in a lot of his ministry. And he talks about they're my fellow workers. They're blessings. They help us. And, and in verses 4 through 16, again, we'll look at more in a moment. But basically what this is, is this is a list of Paul bragging on these people and expressing thanks and appreciation to these people for how they blessed us. Listen, it was, in his, it was in his head and in his heart. It was clear this is something that was close to him, that, that he thought about often. I want to ask you today, how much do you focus your thoughts on? How often do you focus your thoughts on people who've blessed you, people who've helped you, People who've made your life better, who've made your, your, your team better, your church better, your community. How often do you focus on them versus those who are the thorns in your flesh? And, and I'm not trying to say that those people aren't real because they are real. And you know, need to know how to deal with those people. But man, if you meditate on the people who hurt you, you're going to be a sick person. Versus meditating on the people who blessed you. The word think and the word think are, are one letter. There's one little letter difference. And I want to tell you, those, they're cousin words because if you stop to think, you will realize how much you have to be thankful for. No question about it. I want you to do something with me just for a second. I want you to think with me. If you're a Christian today, who played the key role in you coming to Christ? Maybe two people, maybe five people, maybe one people. Who helped you cross that line with Jesus? Who discipled you? Who, who helped you as a young Christian to grow up in Jesus Christ? Who taught you how to pray and how to read the Bible? If you, ha- if you were lucky enough to have good parents, or maybe it, weren't your, it wasn't your parents, but it was someone else who came in and helped you as you were growing up, who are those people? What about your career or your, your academics? Who's helped you athletically? Who's helped you with your career? I, I don't mean to say you haven't done a tremendous job getting to where you are, but somebody has helped you. No question about it. When was the last time you thought about that and you, you meditated on that? See, that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to think about the people in our lives who have truly blessed us. I know you can bring up a litany of people who've let you down and failed you. But think about the people who have blessed you this morning. Here's the second thing. It needs to start in your head and in your heart, but then it needs to move out of your big mouth, Okay? <laughs> Brag on other people. Brag on them to others. Talk about people in a positive way. 
I'm going to watch for hands. How many of you like to gossip? Wow, we have the best Christian church in town. Nobody, t- I, I'm gonna, hold on, let me tear that out of the Bible about talking to each other. I think it's about this much of it. Uh, <laughs> okay, what is gossip? Gossip in the negative sense is when you have, uh, you're eating a hamburger, but you're having someone else for lunch, right? <laughs> you know, you're frying them over the grill. Uh, it's, you think of gossip in a negative sense, talking about someone behind their back, but did you know, and this would not only apply behind their back, but this could be in front of other people to their face. You can gossip in a good way. You can brag on people. You can talk about people. You can celebrate how they blessed you to other people in their presence or in their absence. In their absence is what I call good gossip. That's what Paul's doing here. This is a letter that's going to Rome. It's going to be read to the church. People are going to hear this. Some of these people may be there but it's probably going to get back to them for sure, even if they're, they're not there. In verse 1, I commend to you, our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Sincrea. That word servant there in other places in the New Testament is translated deacon. Was she a woman deacon? I don't think so, but they may have actually had men deacons and women deacons, and the women deacons took care of the, the females. Listen, this, I'm not making this up. Back then, when you got saved and baptized, you got baptized naked. That got your attention, didn't it? Now, before you young men, let me tell you, it was women were one play. It wasn't some transgender thing of today. It was Men got baptized by men and women by women. So very likely there may have been some women who were set aside as servants to take care of this, to see the widows and, and, uh, and young single ladies. But regardless, she was a servant. I commend this servant to the church. I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help, verse 2, she may need. She's been a great help to many people. Wouldn't you love for somebody to say this about you? That, man, this person's a servant. This person's a helper. This person's blessed my life. This person has blessed our church. Paul is bragging on these people. And verse 3, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ. Verse 4, they risk their lives for me not only I but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful are thankful to them Priscilla and Aquila have an interesting history they lived in Rome they got ran out of Rome they went to Corinth and that's where they met Paul and they they helped Paul in his missionary works then they went to Ephesus they had a church in their home there and then they're now they're back in Rome these are awesome people and it, Paul says they they risked their lives for me literally what that means is is they laid down their head on the chopping block for me That's pretty serious, isn't it? Hey, I'll give you a ride home today if you need a ride home. If you want me to die for you, I'm going to have to get back with you. That's what we have a youth minister for, right? To, To die for the cause. There's uh, ancient pictures. This is pretty neat. Paintings of Aquila, or excuse me, Priscilla, the lady, sitting with two lions around her. Paul talked about an Ephesus fighting wild beast. Some believe maybe Paul was, as a Christian, thrown into a, an arena with wild animals, and Priscilla and Quilla were in there too, and the, the lions would not attack them. God protected them at that point. I don't know, but he is sure letting the world know how wonderful this couple is. Verse 5. 
Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friends Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Now, the churches met in houses because they did not have buildings then. So a church house, that's fine, but that doesn't mean we need to burn this down and start meeting in homes tomorrow. It was a practical thing, and, and they were small. Obviously, when church started getting bigger, they started trying to gather in bigger places. But it's pretty neat about Priscilla and Aquila. Apparently, they had a church and meet in their house in Corinth, and Ephesus, and now at Rome. In other words, man, they were servants. These were people that gave to the cause. And he talks about this other guy, man. He was the first to come to Christ in this area. In other words, he's bragging on these people. The first convert. In verse 6, it says, Greet Mary who worked very hard for you, bragging on this lady for all that she had done. In verse 10, greet a palace tested and approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. Bragging on these people. The one tested in Christ. What he's saying is, he said, man, I want to tell you about this guy. This guy was put in the fire and he proved true. He proved worthy. And in verse 12, two strange named women. Greet Trophina and Trophosa. These women, some people believe they were, they were twins who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis and the other women who have worked very hard in the Lord. Paul's bragging on these people. Paul's talking about them behind their back. It's going to get back to them probably. I mean, it's in the Bible. It had to at some point, didn't it? Maybe it didn't until heaven. Man, listen. Lift people up. Brag on people. I, I, I want to say this, and I really want you to hear me. If... if If you can't get appreciating people down, you're a failure as a Christian. Oh, man, I've got the New Testament memorized in Greek. Good for you. You can do that and go to hell. You've got to have Christ in your heart to go to heaven. And if Christ is in your heart, it comes out of your mouth and out of your life. Let the world know the people you love. Lift them up. Brag on them. Sometimes you'll talk about somebody behind their back and it'll get back to them and it's bad, isn't it? Because then you've got to lie or you've got to confess your sin. Sometimes you sit idly while other people are slandered. And you feel like you're innocent. You're not. But sometimes we can step up and we can say, you know what? That person is really ugly, but they have a nice hairdo. Amen. Or that person, you know, maybe they have some shortcomings. You know what? But when I needed them, they were there for me. And every time the church is open, they're there. Every time they're needed, they'll help. And occasionally that'll get back to somebody, and you will ring their bell in a wonderful way. 1999, I was doing a revival in a little church in Texas, and and a, a guy at this church, we would have supper every night before the service, which is always, that's one of the highlights of being a pastor. The feedings. And this guy asked me, he, he asked me about a, a person in the state of Texas who was a fairly prominent person in the ministry circles, but he was kind of controversial. And he asked me if I knew him. I said, Well, I know who he is. I, you know, I, he's got family members in my church, and I, that's how I knew him. And this guy tells me, He goes, You know what? This guy thinks you're great. 
He, you know, his in-laws love you and think you're doing a great job at that church. I want to tell you, I walked out of that room without touching the ground. And that guy had a friend in me the rest of his life. And to this day, he doesn't know that I found out that he said that. Think of how these people felt when that letter was read to the church. And Paul is saying, this person is a servant. This person's a giver. This person's a helper. This person's positive. Think about when it got back to them, how that made them feel. Let people, listen, brag on people. If you like them, if you love them, let them know. And let them know behind their back. And that brings me to the third thing, and that's more the personal thing. Express the real and regular appreciation to them. Talk about them to others. Talk about them in public. But take that last step to really expressing that regular, real, and that's an important part, appreciation of them. Listen, this isn't good if this is political. This isn't good if it's manipulative. It's not good if you've learned techniques to talk to people, to win them over and make a sale. This is good if it's real. Let me tell you how real it is with Paul. We're not going to get into it, but if you read later in the chapter, he fillets some people. So he's not just telling everybody, you're so wonderful, you're so wonderful. No, in a little bit, he's going to say, these people are causing trouble. And if you get a chance to punch them in the ear, spiritually, punch them in the ear. But these people who were blessings, man, he lifts them up. And he, he not only expresses it to other people, but I want to tell you, this is getting back to them. Let me again talk about the significance of this. Every, every psychological theory about human personality and human need will tell you one of mankind's greatest needs is to be appreciated. Psychologists will argue whether the greatest need is to be loved, to be, have a purpose, yada, yada, yada. Every person you meet who is normal and honest wants to be appreciated. No question about it. That's what we're supposed to do. I don't want to read verse 2 again. But he talks about this lady. And I want to tell you, it's not just getting, he's not just saying this to the church. He's saying this to her. You blessed our lives. In verse 4, they risked their lives for me. These are things that he was not just telling the church. He was expressing to them. Thank you for being willing to die for me. Verse 6, greet Adronicus and Junus, my relatives who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles. They were in Christ before I was. Paul saying, these folks are awesome. By the way, when I got thrown in prison for preaching Christ, they were in prison with me. He's bragging on them. He's thanking these people. Verse 8, greet Epimelus, whom I love in the Lord. Verse 9, greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my fr- dear friend Stachus. Think about this. Paul is, Paul is saying to these people, I love these people. This is my friend. This is my buddy. He's expressing this love and this appreciation. In verse 13, greet, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother who has been a mother to me. Here's an interesting thing. It, it may not be a connection because Rufus was a common name. But when Jesus was carrying the cross, you remember, and he couldn't carry it any farther. How many of you remember that? It's in the movies. It's in the Bible, too. And they get a guy named Simon of Cyrene to help him. And it says Simon had two sons with him. One of the sons' name was Rufus. 
what if this was the same guy? You never know. But he talks about Rufus's mom, and he goes, man, this lady was, she's not only your mother, but she's like a mother to me. He goes on in verse 14 and 15, greeting these people, expressing love for these people. In verse 16, I love verse 16, greet one another with a holy kiss, and the churches of Christ send their greetings. I got to tell you a story on the holy kiss. The holy kiss. How many of you wish we still greeted with a holy kiss? Teenage boys, where are you? Come on. Okay, let me clarify. It's man on man and woman on woman. How many of you wish we still greeted with a holy kiss? Okay, that'd be a little more uncomfortable. I mean, Ryan Madden comes up and have to give him the, the, the Dracula sign. My second church... We had a guy get saved, a wonderful guy, but man, he was wild, a wild child. He got radically saved. He read through the New Testament in about a month, and everything he read, he was swallowing it hook, line, and sinker. And so he started kissing the men in the church. If you've ever been a part of a kind of a country church with good people, but there's more of a Bubba mindset, Bubba men are uncomfortable being kissed by other men. You ever notice that? And these deacons were wonderful. They were wonderful, but they were Bubba's, and they were, you know, they didn't know how to handle anything. And, and so they, come, they call a meeting, and they want me to be there, and they corner me, and they say, you've got to do something about Frank. He's kissing all the men in the church. So I had to go to this guy, and I had to say, man, you, you, you can't keep kissing the men in the church. And he said, the Bible says to greet one another with a holy kiss. And I, and I explained to him that that's a, that's a handshake and a man hug, amen? It's cultural. And he was real disappointed because he thought the Bible, we weren't taking it literally. And I said, yes, we are. It's cultural. But I tell you the whole story to say that even that man hug, that hug, that handshake, that's a way that should be a way we're showing appreciation and love to people. The early church was affectionate. They were passionate. They were appreciative to other people. That's exactly what God is saying to you and me. Hey, how often do you let people know, thank you for what you've done for me? How often? I read a story this week of a, a teacher in New Jersey, taught at a middle school science teacher for many years had a student, when the student was in the eighth grade, the student dissected a frog, successfully removed the brain and the spinal cord of the frog, and the teacher said, hey, you ought to go and be a brain surgeon, a neurosurgeon. This is not Ben Carson, by the way. And the student went on and became a brain surgeon. And one day, this doctor, this neurosurgeon, says, you know what? It was that teacher that inspired me to do that. And called that teacher on the phone and said, I just wanted to tell you, this is 20 years later, I want to tell you, thank you. It was because of your inspiration that I became a neurosurgeon. He said there was a long pause and the teacher started crying and said this, I've never had one student ever call me and thank me for what I've done. And then the teacher later on explained that that one act made them feel like their life 
mattered by one person saying thank you for what you did. Listen, when was the last time you wrote a thank you note? I can't, my handwriting's terrible. When's the last time you typed a thank you note? When was the last time you called somebody and said thank you? When was the last time? It's so easy. You sent a text. I'm going to embarrass somebody. Josh Walker sitting there in the purple shirt right in the middle. Josh, raise your hand. I can't. By Matt and Casey. I'm finishing this sermon on Friday, and Josh, with ESP, texts me and says, Hey, man, thank you for what you do. I glided the rest of the day on that one compliment. I'm not asking you to do that to me. I'm just saying, when's the last time you did it to anybody? A thank you note, a thank you text. Or stopped him and said, man, thank you for what you do for me and how you bless me. You're failing as a Christian if you fail here. There was a pastor in California. On the radio out in California, pretty big church. One Sunday at the end of the service, he noticed two rather large, burly, not well-dressed men came in and sit in the back. He went to the back door. He was shaking hands. He noticed they, they, they were hanging around. And this is back before he had security or anything. One of them came up and said, hey, are you preacher so-and-so? And he said nobody was there, so he couldn't. I mean, you know, he wanted to lie, but he's in church. So he says, well, yes, I am. He goes, are you the guy on the radio? He said, yeah, I am. He said the big burly guy came up, bear hugged him, picked him up, and said, man, I love you. I found Jesus listening to you on the radio. Thank you, and don't you ever quit. He said, then here comes the other big burly guy. Picks him up, gives him a holy kiss right here on the cheek. Says, I love you. I found Jesus because of you. Thank you. I'm not telling you to pick somebody up on the way out. Be careful who you kiss. You might get a jab. But man, give somebody a hug. Say thank you. Are you so busy you're forgetting those who helped you get to where you are in life? William Wilmot is a a preacher and a writer. And he was in England with his wife. They they had rented a car and were driving through small towns in England, and the car broke down. And they took it somewhere, and the guy says it's going to be three or four hours, so they ate lunch, and they just walked around this little village. They came to a church in a cemetery, and they noticed that the graves were very old, so they began to walk around back there, and they saw a monument, an interesting monument. It didn't look like it was well taken care of, but it, was, it, was, it said, we will never forget what you did. And it was something to do with World War I. And he said it was so stunning that, it, that, you know, that they just had to find out. So they walked into the church where the pastor is, and they said, hey, that monument that says we will never forget, what is that about? And the pastor said, literally, I don't remember. So they were walking down the street, and they bumped into some other people, and they said, you know, you've got this huge monument in the graveyard that says, we will never forget. What is that about? 
They said, we don't know. They walked into the mayor's office in this little town, and they, they asked him, sir, in your cemetery, the, the prominent cemetery in this, uh, cemetery in this village, there is, there is a monument that says, we will never forget your sacrifice. What is that about? And the mayor said, I don't remember. And I'm afraid many of us go through our lives and we forget the people who blessed us, sacrificed for us, and helped us. Let's take, a, let's take the advice of the Apostle Paul. And let's remember it and let's let the world and them know how much we appreciate them. Would you pray with me? This morning, if you're a Christian, I pray that God has spoken to your heart about these things that need to be taking place in your life. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian and you're ready to cross that line with Jesus, would you pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I want to repent of my sins. I believe you're God's son and that you died for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And I surrender my life to you. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand. And when we do, here's what I want you to do. Maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart. Or maybe you're ready to do that. Would you come? I know it's hard, but would you step out and come and cross that line with Jesus today? Maybe you're here today and you'd like to join our church. You can can join after church if you want to. Just catch one of our ministers. Or you could come this morning. You could come and join us. Come and join us today if God's leading you to. Christian, maybe you're doing pretty well with this. Maybe your life is marked by gratitude. Keep it up. Some of us may not be doing so well here. I want to encourage you to repent. I want to encourage you where you're standing or at the altar to say, God, give me, help me to be a man or a woman who spends the rest of my life truly being grateful. Let's stand. As God leads you, you respond.